Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Dynasty Kings Fantasy Football Podcast, Season 3, Week 8. I am your host, Andrew Skaggs, joined by Ben Goldstein. How are we doing, Ben? Hey, how's it going? Just great, Ben. Thanks for hopping on. Yep. Thanks, uh, for, happy... thanks for working with me. It's been a busy day, so I appreciate it. No worries. Happy Wednesday, November 1st, 3.49 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, 2.49 p.m. Pacific Time, 5.49 p.m. Eastern Time. Getting into the fall, Ben. November, it's getting colder. It's Here we are. Yeah, no, it's still uh, 85 degrees right now here. Yeah. But uh, so in, the mornings, in the mornings, it is colder. I'm not gonna lie though, I missed some overcast and some rain. I know that sounds crazy, but I'm kinda like looking forward to some overcast and some rain here soon. I don't know when that's ever gonna happen here, but you know, that'd be kinda nice. I don't blame you for that. I was in California this past weekend, which was really nice because I did get to escape the two feet of snow that we got in Denver this weekend. So that's the shit I don't fuck with. I agree, some overcast and some rain from time to time. Perfectly fine. Yep. Anyway, then let's get in pretty weather. Hoodie weather. That's just it's my favorite type of weather, you know, a little overcast and rain, hoodie weather. I feel you. I got a hoodie on in the apartment right now, even okay. though it says it's 70 degrees. It feels I like haven't worn a hoodie in a long time. It's very upsetting. Anyways. In a, in a long time. Yeah. Ben, let's get into the Taco Bell takeaway of the week. We'll have a slightly different podcast this week, uh, mid-season awards and things of that nature. And then I'm actually going to interview Ben at the end of the podcast. Seemed easier than... Trying to get a guest. I know I throw out some feelers in the text. Not a lot of people say stuff. But then we start DMing, you know. Yeah. Uh, it sounds free, like. Feel free to speak up, fellas, okay? Yeah. Andrew, or at least say, like, hey, I can't make out. it. Yeah. Pretty, pretty interesting. Out, touching uh, you. Touching you. Touching me. Sorry. Go on. It's all right. Thank God the Red Sox aren't still in the playoffs. <laughs> Not that they ever were. But, um Anyway, we're going to be interviewing you, Ben, at the end, and then it sounds like it's going to be Rob next week, so we got that lined up. Love that. Let's get into the Taco Bell takeaway of the week. I'll turn it over to you first, Ben. Listen, this is simple. This is straightforward. It's not even an opinion. It's a fact. The Seattle Seahawks are currently in first place in the NFC West. Uh, it, is, it is, you know, middle of the season. It's week eight. still pretty early. <clears throat> but they've been playing some good ball, and their defense looks to be on the up and up with a new addition. Now, the Niners did add as well, but they have been sliding a little bit here. Um, and what's really interesting is the Seahawks and the Niners, I don't think, play till like weeks 12 and like 14 or something like that. Yeah, they have a wild stretch of the Niners yeah. twice, Dallas and Philly yeah, all in four it's weeks. Very, and like, yeah, it's, it's going to be tough. <clears throat> and injuries by that time of the season, you just never know. Um, but also some factors that I do think will help at the end of the season. I think JSN will be will have taken a way bigger step by then, and he will be a big factor in this offense. Um, other guys like Zach Charbonnet, Jake Bobo um, will be a big part of this offense as well. Defensively, I feel like we're a little thin. I mean, don't get me wrong, like up front we are like – I think we're like a top seven, five to seven defense in this league. I really do. Um, but just behind that, depth wise, we're a little, little thin. But if we can stay healthy, our linebacking core is ridiculous. 
Our defensive line is going to be, I think, way better by the end of the year with guys like uh, Boy Mafe, <clears throat> Leonard Williams now, Daryl Taylor, guys like that who I think are going to come on more than the year. And then in the secondary, you've got two cornerbacks who could be Pro Bowl, all pro type of guys. So, um, and then they don't forget the safeties who are really good as well. So um, I think this team is a serious playoff contender. Um, I don't know if they're a Super Bowl contender per se, but I think they're a serious playoff contender that can make some noise. All right. Thank you, Ben. I'll, uh, I'll remove my Seahawks related question from the uh, interview portion. Oh, here. We're, sorry. We're, we're, we're covered on that topic now. It was just going to be like literally what you talked about is like, how yeah, you that's, about but like, it's, so that was a great break. <laughs> like, honestly, just to kind of wrap that up a little bit more uh, very quickly, this is probably, and it's not just me. I think it's a lot of Seahawks fans and like analysts, people who've been reporting on the team for a long time. I think this is the biggest like vibes, like hypes, hype that they've had for a defense since the Legion of Boom. Um, and, and we're not we're not saying it's as good as them per se, but there's some vibes and some real hype with this defense that this defense can be like real legitimate. So we're really excited about that. Love it. I'm excited to watch them in the coming weeks. As yeah. a result of them not being on primetime, I have not seen a lot other than yeah, a little bit it, on. Yeah, it's very odd. It's the Giants, I mean, you know, they put the Giants game on Monday and Night And the ball. fucking Jets all the time. It's like, yeah. Well, yeah, I'm just talking about, like, remember when the Seahawks oh, played? Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. fucking destroyed them, and then you haven't seen the Seahawks since. So, classic. Yep. Yep. That's just how it goes. They should be able to flex every primetime game every week and just yeah. deal with it. Um, Ben, my takeaway of the week is that the Bengals are looking like the Bengals that we expected finally. Uh, this Sunday, Joe Burrow completed 88% of his passes. Chase and Higgins combined for 15 catches. And they head into a massive Sunday night football clash with the Buffalo Bills yeah. at 4-3, and three, despite a real tough start to the year. Hopefully no um, one dies on the field this year. Hopefully no one dies on the field this year. <laughs> And that's obviously the first thing I think of when I see that matchup again. Sorry, that was a little fucked up. Sorry. No, I mean, I'm legitimately, I mean that because I remember sitting down on my couch being so fucking excited to watch those two teams play. And that got taken away from us. Obviously, it was a very scary incident, but I'm very excited for a, hopefully a complete game between these yep. two teams. Because we've seen the Bills and the Chiefs play a lot. We've seen the Bengals and Chiefs play a lot. We have not seen these two actually match up, A, before in the playoffs and be in general the regular season one last year obviously what happened happened um so that's very exciting especially after a lot of like not so great primetime games finally we get a really good matchup it's not that hard yeah. uh, on the the Niners end of the spectrum just because they were involved in that game uh they were still missing Debo and Trent Williams wouldn't be too worried about them obviously losing three in a row is not ideal uh but they certainly need to come out of the bye week looking better Brock Purdy is facing adversity for essentially the first time in his professional career. Um, so it'll just be interesting to keep an eye on them. I, I would not be hitting the panic button at all. Made a couple nice moves with the trade deadline. Um, but either way, we've got our eyes on them now. Ben, let's get into the scores recap from week eight in the Dynasty Kings League. <laughs> Things are really accelerating quickly. First matchup, Skaggs Island 123, Bellify Island 66 and a half. That moves Skaggs Island to four and four, Bellify Island to three and five. The Darren Narwallers, 65 and a half, All Mahomies Ball, 70. Moving Rob to two and six, Zach to three and five. 
The Savage Salmon, 108.5. Moz Meatloaf, 125.5. Moves Nick to 7-1. and one. Then you're at 4-4. Four and four. The San Anselmo Sinners, 134. The Golden Bandits, 162.5. Not a close one there. Dan also at 4-4. Four and four. Golden Bandits at 2-6. and six. Bilbo Swaggins with his third win of the season, 119 to 89 and a half over the Marvelous Llamas, another team at four and four in Bosco there. And then lastly, Scott's Tots, 130.5 over Pizzapalooza, 119 high scoring affair there between two good teams. Scott's seven and one, Travis five and three. Any overall thoughts, Ben? Uh, no, I mean, we'll talk about my team a little bit later. Um, yep. <clears throat> hey, good for Rob. That's a tough matchup there, but he pulled it out. Um, yeah, no, I mean, listen, can I just listen? I, I like to voice something out. I know that you've, you've already discussed this, but my God, how did we let Nick's and Scott's teams get so fucking good? What the fuck happened, people? How did this happen? So, just for future, like, we don't want to make people too powerful. We saw that with. Hitler, we saw that with Biden, we saw it with Trump, we've seen it with Mussolini. Will's trying it right now, so like we just need to be careful, fellas. So, love that. Uh, Ben, let's transition. We're not going to do an ease eye opening performance or any rookie report. We're going to get straight into our midseason awards because we are eight weeks into the season, not quite halfway through the actual NFL season, but halfway through fantasy, certainly. We're going to go ahead and pick the standard NFL awards, but also some fantasy-related rewards. Uh, first and foremost, let's start out with the NFL MVP. Uh, I went with Lamar Jackson. It was kind of interesting. I did use the odds for each of these categories just because I was curious who was kind of up there. It's just fascinating to me that it's like it's still it's Mahomes, it's Tua, it's Hurts, it's Lamar, it's Josh Allen, and it's just like with pretty much every guy in that group, I'm like, okay, they've been like obviously good, but like. I almost expect I almost expect more from most of them, and I think Lamar is the only one from that group where I'm like, actually, I'm extremely satisfied with what he's done to this point. They have a good record. He's doing well statistically. He's the only one where I'm like, I don't feel like he's played like shitty at all, mm-hmm. and so that's why he's my pick. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a I think that's a good pick. I don't know why he's not higher on the odds boards. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. It's because of racism, Ben. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then again, uh, and I know the Vikings suck, so maybe it doesn't make sense. But like Kirk Cousins, man, he's putting up some good fucking numbers this year. Um, you know, when you go look at the, I'm just looking at NFL player <clears throat> passing stats for 2023, and he's tied with Tua with 18 touchdowns for the year, but also has two less picks than Tua. Um, so unfortunately, Kirk is out now, but uh, he was off to a roaring start there. Yeah. Uh, but my pick is Tua because he does have 18 touchdowns, passing touchdowns. The seven interceptions is a bit much, but he's also averaging over 300 passing yards per game while also completing 70% of his passes, which is pretty crazy, um, you know, when he's averaging that many yards per game as well. Um, he's leading the league in touchdowns. Uh, if he can stay healthy, I think he's going to finish in top three voting um, in the MVP race. Um, so we'll see. Um, I saw an interesting video about the jujitsu that he was like learning another week or, you know, like last year during the summer and yep. how he's been following this year. And he's been following like a lot better. I know that sounds weird, but 
it's a real thing. So I, I've heard about that as well. <clears throat> yeah, so I'm gonna go Tua for right now. I'm not exactly confident in it, but Tua. Okay. Uh, we'll transition to defensive player of the year. I'm going to go with Micah Parsons. Uh, the other heavy favorite is Miles Garrett. He's certainly yeah. been awesome as well. Uh, it just feels like Parsons is very due to win one of these awards. He's been very dynamic since he first was entered the league. Um, you know, Dallas's defense for the most part has been really good pretty much outside of that game against uh, the 49ers. Um, they've lost some pieces. I don't know. He just pops on the screen every week. He does a lot. Um, yeah. So that'll be my my vote for now. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Miles Garrett. I'm gonna be honest with you. I didn't even look at the odds for this stuff. I kind of just started looking at stats real quickly. <clears throat> and what popped out to me most was, <clears throat> you know, the sacks. Of course, eight and a half sacks, seven tackles for loss. Um, but what really popped out to me was the four force fumbles. Yeah, um, that is he huge. is just a havoc creator on that defense. He single-handedly wins games for that team, which is really tough to say for a defensive player. Um, so, I yeah, I'm going to choose Miles Garrett for right now. Yeah, I think he's he's had a pretty incredible impact, especially with the quarterback situation there where they haven't really played with Watson a whole lot. Yeah, I think um, I told you, like, if there was, like, a football war, he would probably yeah, be, like, yeah. top three, you know what I'm saying? Like, he would Easily. be very high. Easily. He's a freak. Yeah. Uh, NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year. We both had the same pick, C.J. Stroud. Yeah. Um, I feel like this one's pretty self-explanatory. Looks good as a rookie quarterback. They're going to probably win seven or eight games this year. Um, has not turned the ball over very much at all. Again, as we've kind of voiced over the, you know, several weeks of the podcast here, it's not like he's, like, been amazing, amazing. Like, there are a lot of games when he's completing 50%, 60% of his passes, and it's not like – anything too crazy, but they seem to always be in games. They really yeah. don't have a running game at all right now. Their weapons are pretty weak. So uh, I think the know. biggest thing was like, they weren't expected to do anything. Right. So. And quarterbacks virtually always win this award. So um, that's the pick there. NFL defensive rookie of the year. I went with a little bit of a sleeper and Brian branch on the lions, probably <laughs> recency bias, bias of watching the Monday night football game. I think Witherspoon would actually probably win it. If I had to guess, um, but I wanted to let you talk about him if you'd like. Uh, but Brian Branch, one of those four picks that Detroit had in the first two rounds last year, um, a guy that a lot of people thought was going to go first round last year, ultimately slid to the second round. Um, but according to the telecast, it sounds like he's had a big impact. So we're going to give it to Brian Branch. I think he's like fourth on the odds right now. I like Brian Branch a lot. Um, <clears throat> they'd be pretty, pretty, I think pretty crazy of a safety one. But hey. I've seen crazier things, and he's he is damn good. Uh, so I think I think personally, Jalen Carter will win this, but I'll talk about Devin Witherspoon a little bit. He, he was the favorite on the odds. <laughs> yeah, and I think I think like he minus one seventy five, um, just based on the. Eagles but I think he got hurt this past week, so that might that might have yeah. him out for a little bit. But I'll talk about Devin Witherspoon a little bit, just because I've seen a little bit of him play and kind of done my research a little bit here and there. Um, I think he, you know, he is a cornerback, but he plays so much like like a safety, like like Troy Polamalu type of guy, where he is making plays all over the field at the line of scrimmage, behind the line of scrimmage. Like he's a great tackler. He's great at rushing the passer somehow. He's he's a physical player. Like he's everything that you would want with a football player. And then all of a sudden, he's a cornerback that can like keep up with the best receiver on the field and cover him. So. 
yeah, top five pick was definitely worth it these first eight weeks. I assume it's going to be the worth it the rest of his career. Knock on wood that he doesn't get hurt or anything like that. Um, but man, like the talent is ridiculous with them. Yep. Uh, last NFL related award, Coach of the Year. I'm going to go with Mike McDaniel, although I like your selection as well. Uh, there's just a ton of teams. I mean, it's the Eagles at seven and one, and then like a ton of teams with two losses. Yeah. And then a little group of teams with three losses that are all kind of contenders. I'll go with McDaniel just because the offense has done so well. That's his baby. Um, you know, there's plenty of talent there, but he's really brought the best out of Tua. He's, you know, made Tyreek somehow almost look better than he did in Kansas City, which, you know, seemed unfathomable. Um, they just got a lot, lot going on in Miami. Um, I think they are still missing kind of that signature win. It will be nice to see. Um, this weekend would be a good opportunity against the Chiefs. There's, they've yet to, you know, look great in a couple of their big boy matchups so far against the Eagles and the Bills. Um, but overall, they've been really steady. And, you know, I feel like the media loves them. And, like, generally, Coach of the Year is like a team where they're like, oh, like, you know, we thought they were going to be decent, but didn't think they were going to be this good, something like that. So we'll go with Mike McDaniel. Also, he's hilarious. Yeah, it's true. Mike McDaniel is very funny. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I went with Doug Peterson, Jaguars head coach here. Uh, they are six and two. Uh, it's and I think what's interesting about the Jaguars is that Trevor Lawrence has played well per se, but he hasn't played great, and yet they're still winning games. And um, there's holes on that team. You know, the offensive line, uh, the back end of the defense, uh, but they're still pulling out victories. They beat Buffalo twenty-five to twenty. Um, that was a big win. They beat New Orleans on the road, uh, Pittsburgh on the road. Um, so they've got some really good wins this year. I assume that they're going to win that AFC South. It's not a great division. Um, and the back end of their schedule is a little bit more forgiving with like Tennessee, Houston, uh, Tampa Bay, Carolina, Tennessee, again, teams like that. So um, it will be interesting to see what happens with them. Absolutely. All right, Ben, let's transition to fantasy awards, and I'll actually go all the way down the list with mine, and then I'll turn it over to you for yours. Uh, fantasy MVP to this point, thought about taking Tyreek, but then it popped into my head, and I wasn't, like, looking at every team or, you know, who scored the most points or anything like that. Um, but then A.J. Brown popped into my head just because I know he's on, like, a five- or six-game streak of 125 yards and more, scoring a lot of touchdowns, just, like, absolutely just being a beast this year such a yeah. fun player to watch uh you know it's too bad he's rotting on dan's team but it is what it is uh we love to focus on the rookies here in in the dkfl so we're gonna go best first round second round and third round pick uh we do have different ones for each which is kind of nice i did that on purpose a little bit with some i tried picks, choosing different ones than you yeah always. just make just it. helps yeah. Uh, Jordan Addison would be the best first round pick to this point. Although I think, you know, uh, Zay Flowers certainly could be in that conversation as well. I feel like Addison's been a little bit more explosive, um, just frankly targeted a little bit more in that offense, especially ever since Justin Jefferson went down. Um, he's been really playing well lately. Will be very interesting to see what he looks like with uh, Jaron Hall or if they ultimately turn over to Josh Dobbs or something like that. Um, but so far, so good for Jordan Addison. Second round pick, I went with Josh Downs. Um, there was actually not a ton of choices in the second round. And again, we're only eight weeks into these people's careers. So, um, you know, we're not trying to make too big of a deal. But the 22nd overall pick, 
Josh Downs for the Colts has been really solid. I feel like we've featured him multiple times on the Reese's Rookie Report. Um, and just lately, especially with Gardner Minshew, feels like he's kind of catching his stride. Michael Pittman's a stud. They really don't have a whole lot at tight end. They're kind of, you know, been missing that second receiver. Alec Pierce flashed a little bit last year, but don't feel like he's done a whole lot. Um, so Downs has kind of filled that role. Uh, and then best third-round pick. Um, I certainly left out a couple of guys, so you could talk about them. But did want to highlight C.J. Stroud, who we already talked about here. I do think one interesting thing with Stroud is the fact that because he plays the quarterback position, um, there is so much stability there that, like, if he does, um, you know, it, it, as long as he establishes himself as, like, a solid quarterback, which he seems to be doing and continues to improve, like, then you start to get in the conversation, like, okay, like, he'll probably be a solid fantasy quarterback for the next, you know, 10 to 12 years, even though that sounds crazy and we knock on wood and hope that he doesn't have any injuries or things like that. But mm-hmm. there's a lot of stability towards drafting a guy that's going to ultimately end up being just a very steady quarterback for a long time. So very good value in the third round. And then last but not least, best trade through eight weeks. And I was just talking since draft night, um, not including the draft, but since then, kind of since the season's gotten going. My favorite one so far, Nick and Anthony. Um, Anthony got two second-round picks from Nick in exchange for Christian Kirk. Obviously, Anthony, a bit of a rebuild, so that was a piece that he could dangle. Nick went after Christian Kirk, who's been very good for the Jaguars this season. I like it for both sides. I think that's the appropriate price for a player like Christian Kirk, and I think it's a you know worthy move for Anthony to ultimately move on from him, try to accumulate more picks. So thumbs up all around on my end on that one, Ben. All righty. Uh, yeah, no, yeah, makes sense. <clears throat> Fantasy MVP for me would be Tyreek Hill. Uh, he kind of just left it for me, so I just took it. Uh, the dude is, I think, averaging like 24 points a game, uh, 23 points a game. He's had games of 41 and a half, 27 and a half, 30, 25, 19 and a half, and 21. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then other games of seven and a half and 12 and a half. So, yeah, seven and a half is, is his lowest score uh, this year, which is flex worthy in almost every team this year. So, yeah, pretty good. Uh, my fantasy best first round pick is uh, Addison was a great pick. I probably would have chosen him, but I chose Sam Laporta, who was picked number 11. I think. Let me just make sure here. Uh, yeah, 11 by Bosco. Uh, I'm not sure Laporta's exact stats, but I know that he's high in the tight end rankings. He's looked very good. He's caught a couple tu- more than a couple touchdowns. He looks like Goff's probably second favorite option behind St. Brown. Uh, tight end four. Yeah, and, I mean, he's just going to go up. So, yeah, Sam Laporta. Uh, he's also really good at blocking, so you can't go wrong with a tight end like that. <clears throat> my best second round pick, and this is kind of more of a guy who's rising right now, I would say. Um, Josh Downs has been incredibly consistent all season long on a pretty pedestrian offense, I would say, especially with two wide receivers ahead of him. Um, I don't know if Alec Pierce is anymore, but uh, my pick would be Rasheed Rice, uh, the Chiefs wide receiver, who was also picked, I think, in the second or maybe third round in real life, but he was picked by Travis with pick 13. Got off to a little bit of a slow start this season, but clearly has become probably wide receiver one for them. I know Travis Kelsey's like technically wide receiver one, but, you know, wide receiver one, Rasheed Rice. Uh, my best third-round picks are Puka and Devin A. 
Chain, Achan. No, how do you pronounce it nowadays? Achan. Achan, thank you. Uh, because I'm the best. That's just what I do. Uh, and then my best trade is whoever has made a trade that didn't have anything to do with Will. Great job. Keep going. And you keep, guys keep doing you. <laughs> Why did I have a feeling that would be the answer? Um, let's go ahead and transition, Ben, to the Cole come out of the week. Just two of them from last week. Tyler Conklin, tight end for the Jets on Dan's team. Really Could have had, had John o. Smith. Could have had John o. Smith, but just one pull of trigger. Really tough there. Um, and then Nelson Aguilar starting on Anthony's team. That made me laugh a little bit. Ben, have you <laughs> ever seen the, the clip where this guy is, like, on the street interviewing a couple of chicks and, like, asked them to name, like, three or five pro athletes, and the first person that this chick says is Nelson Aguilar. Ooh, I don't know if I've ever seen that. So it's it's pretty funny. It's circled around Instagram. I'm sure some guys who are listening have, heard, have seen it, but it's just hilarious. He's like, okay, name three professional athletes, and I'll give you 10 bucks or something. It's like, you know, for content yeah. or whatever. And literally the first chick is like, Nelson Aguilar. <laughs> and the other chick's like, wait, what? Like, that sounds like a made-up person. And they just go back and forth about that the whole time. It's like, how the fuck did you come up with Nelson Aguilar first? That is a random ass, yeah, random ass athlete's name. Yeah. Um, Rico Gathers of the week, tight ends. Dalton Kincaid for me, Ben. Five catches, 65 yards, and a touchdown. He had 14 and a half fantasy points. Just wanted to highlight here with Dawson Knox going out with wrist surgery, surgery I believe, last week. Definitely a big opportunity and a great offense in Buffalo, or at least a very good offense. Uh, and he delivered in his first game there. I think he's going to be very valuable down the stretch, um, certainly in a redraft, but I think in Dynasty as well. We'll see how competitive Zach's team is down the stretch. Um, but I do think this will be kind of his opportunity to break out here in the second half of the season as obviously a tight end that a lot of people liked heading into the draft. Yeah, it's kind of a fun little tight end class here. Hopefully it kind of resurges so the tight end a little bit. Uh, I kind of went with a uh, wild card here. Someone that we haven't heard of in a while. Love uh, that. That would be Jordan Matthews, who's in fantasy football heaven. Um, but now he's back, and he's now listed as a tight end with the Bills on their practice squad. He was signed last week. Now, I think that he was attempting, you know, a comeback as a tight end with, like, the Eagles and the Panthers for a bit. Uh, he's bounced around, but – Officially last week, he's now with the Bills on their practice squad as a tight end, Jordan Matthews. And when you say in fantasy football heaven, what does that mean? Well, I just I just was thinking, oh, like nobody's owned him for a while. So I just assumed yeah. that, you know, like he died and went to fantasy football heaven. I love that. Absolutely yeah. love that. Yeah. Who knows if he's even in the player pool anymore, right? Yeah. Um all right, let's talk Fav recap because it is a Wednesday, Ben. Looking forward to week nine. Not a heavy Fav week, but the Darren Narwaller spent $21 on Jaron Hall, new quarterback for the Minnesota Vikings, dropped Michael Carter in the process. Ben, you also had a $7 bid for Jaron Hall. Obviously, the situation arose where both Goff and Lawrence are on five, yeah. so you had to figure out who to start at quarterback. You did ultimately add Clayton Toon for $5, also added Aiden O'Connell after the waiver, waiver period. And then lastly, Lamarvelous Llamas. Justin Watson, $3 bid, dropped Miles Gaskin in the process. How many times Justin Watson has been dropped and added in this league? It's it's fascinating. I'm sure we could find it pretty easily on the uh, free agency sheet. I'll take a look here. Maybe I'll text it into the group. 
Uh, my fabulous addition of the week, of course, is Jaron Hall to Zach. Um, he had so much success with the previous BYU quarterback and Zach Wilson. Why not go <laughs> after the next one in Jaron Hall? Always proud of Zach for keeping up on the QB carousel. Yeah, I won't even choose one because it was such a, <laughs> such, a, such a bad league, but sure, Jaron Hall, why not? All right, let's go ahead and look forward to week nine matchups, Ben. You and I, the Savage Salmon versus Skaggs Island, both four and four. Current projection, Salmon 98.8, Skaggs Island 97.4. Should be a doozy in Aiden O'Connell's debut game for the Salmon, correct? You've had him at other times, but you haven't had the start, yeah, right? I think, he's, I think it's our debut game. Now, I'm pretty sure he's the starter. I don't think Toon's going to be starting, but uh, Aiden O'Connell is like 98% our starter. Love that. Well, Marvelous Llamas, four and four. The Golden Bandits, two and six. 101.7, the projection for Bosco. 58.8 for Anthony. Pizzapalooza, five and three versus the Darren Narwallers, three and five. 107.5, the projection for Travis. 76.1 for Zach. Bilbo Swaggins, three and five versus All Mahomes Ball, two and six. Projection very close here. 84.4 for Will. 83.8 for Rob. Rob needs all the wins he can get at this point. If Will wins this game, he's in the playoff hunt. Yeah, absolutely. Just like we all thought he would be from the start of the season. Very proud of Will. Uh, Delphi Island, three and five versus San Anselmo <laughs> Sinners, four and four. The Sinners projected for 113.1. Delphi Island, 74.1. Another important one for Joe to stay in touch with the playoff hunt. As well as Dan being one of the several four and four teams. And the game of the week. I did not realize it. I even took the screenshot and had not seen this. Scott's Tots versus Moz Meatloaf. Seven and one versus seven and one. Two teams very likely get a first Hitler, round bye. versus Mussolini. <laughs> 120.5 is Nick's projection. 118.5 is Scott's projection. Get your popcorn ready. It's such a blessed Sunday coming up, Ben. For the first time in a long time, it's just me and the TV and my couch watching Red Zone, and it couldn't be a better Sunday to do so. So I'm fired up about that. Ben, let's transition into Dynasty Prospect Preview presented by Duracraft Boats, one of our very favorite sponsors. I wrote this one up for a change, Ben. You know, figured I would carry my weight for once. I'll do a little spiel about this player, and if you want to chime anything in, feel free. Uh, I figured at this time of the year, it's time to start talking about guys that might be more first, second round prospects as far as the actual NFL draft. Plus, I don't know any of these cutty guys that you bring up. So we'll go a little bit more mainstream here. Xavier Worthy, wide receiver from Texas, 6'1", 172. Currently on the year has 44 catches, 572 yards, and four touchdowns. Over his three-year career, has averaged 12.5 yards per catch or better in each season. He has 60-plus catches in each of his first two seasons, well on the way to eclipsing that once again this year. And 25 career receiving TDs. In addition, he does have a little bit of value as a punt returner. I think he's returned one for a touchdown this year. In general, has been their primary punt returner the last couple years. Should run in the 4-3s or 4-4 range, according to the internet. The internet actually says he's been clocked at 4-2-9. I find that a little hard to believe, uh, but you never know. The internet never lies, Ben. Uh, for me, the slight frame is a little bit of a concern. Now, that's a little bit less of an issue as the years have gone by. He has struggled with drops from time to time. I feel like I have watched a decent amount of Texas football the last couple of years. Definitely has a few drops here and there. 
should be a late first, early second round pick. Probably when it's all settled, it wouldn't surprise me if it's late first. He does kind of seem very much in the mold of a Jordan Addison or a Zay Flowers as far as a little bit of a smaller receiver. Pretty fast, not quite as shifty as Zay Flowers, um, but better straight line speed maybe. Um, but any thoughts on this prospect, Ben? Yeah, no, definitely explosive. Um, kind of reminds me of uh, Marvin Mims a little bit. A little smaller mm-hmm. in statue, but very explosive, deep threat. Um, has added... decent decent height at six one. It's just yeah, no, 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 yeah, yeah, for sure. Like yeah, just just skinny, just skinny. Yeah, yeah. The six one, I'm not not. Listen, I'm not even that worried about the one seventy two. Like. They're going to get him on an NFOA program. I'm sure he's going to get up to 180. He's going to be fine. Like, he might yep. be injured here and there, but listen, these guys are tough. They play with injuries all the time. Um, but clearly, he's an explosive player, and he's going to add something to that to an NFL team where they can, you know, spread out an offense more with him in it. So, yeah, no, I like the write up on him. It's a good pick. Um, and I'm excited to see where he goes. In real it will life, be interesting. Correct, correct. I would certainly expect him to be probably a first-round pick in our Dynasty League. Um, It will be very interesting to see where he lands in the NFL draft because when you do talk late first, early second, if it's indeed late first, you're talking about going to a good team, which usually has a good quarterback. And if it's early second, you're usually talking about a bad team, which is not always the end of the world because, remember, Ben, this class is very loaded at quarterbacks. He could be paired with a Caleb Williams, a Drake May, a Quinn Ewers, a Shadir Sanders, whoever you want to pick in that group. Obviously, plenty more quarterbacks will be in the mix. Uh, but it will be very interesting to see his landing spot. That will ultimately determine his rookie draft spot. Ben, let's get into the primetime pick em standing so far this year. Ben, you went 2-1 and one last week. You won Tampa Bay and Detroit. You lost Chicago. 8-8-1, eight, eight and one, perfect 500 on the season. Our guest picker, Mike Labosco, also went two and one. We actually all went two and one. Uh, Bosco, however, had the Chargers in Detroit correctly, lost on Buffalo, that backdoor cover from Tampa Bay. I had the exact same outcome in terms of the picks there. Moved my overall record to eight and four. Guest picker, 10, six and one, still carrying a torch amongst the three of us. Ben, this week, we're going to pick four different games, a little bit of a specialty here, but we'll start with Thursday night. Tennessee at Pittsburgh, kind of an intriguing Thursday night matchup. To me, that makes sense to me as a Thursday night matchup. Not the greatest teams in the world, but I will be entertained by it. Pittsburgh minus two and a half is the current line. Ben, who do you like in that game? One question before I begin here. Tannehill out? Yes. Levis is starting. Okay. Oh, I don't think that really matters to me anyways. Uh, I'm just going to leave Pitt minus two and a half. Uh, I think in Pittsburgh on Thursday night, uh, I know Pittsburgh's been up and down this season. They've had a couple good wins. They've had a couple bad losses. Um, they've had they've played some competitive games. They've played some really not competitive games. But I think they'll be ready, and I think Levis looked good his first week. But I think this week, Pittsburgh on a Thursday night, Pittsburgh's defense is not bad. Minus two and a half, give it to me. Ben? I agree. Give me Pittsburgh minus two and a half. Like you said, the Steelers are up and down, but I think this is one of their up weeks because they just had a down week against a good Jags team. Don't get me wrong, but it was a sloppy game at home. Uh, As for Will Levis, he did look impressive. Uh, Not that I saw a whole lot, but um, I think it could be a little bit different now. It's very different profile. He's he's a lot better of a player in theory than than Tyson Bajant. 
Um, but it could be a little similar to that where Bajan looked decent against the Raiders. Everything kind of went well in their win. Just like uh, Will Levis did for the Titans, this could be kind of a, a little bit of a come-down-to-earth moment, like like you said, in Pittsburgh against a good defense on a Thursday night. I just, as simple as I can put it, is I don't see Pittsburgh ultimately losing two games in a row um, at home. That just that just would not be very yeah. like them. Uh, the specialty one that we got thrown in here, not technically a primetime game because it's not in the evening, but it is a standalone game in Germany. The Chiefs versus the Dolphins. That will start at 9.30 a.m. Eastern time, so an early kickoff kick for all of us. Kansas City currently favored by one and a half point, points in the yeah. neutral site game there. Who do you like, Ben? I'm going to go Kansas City minus one and a half here. I know we're we're uh, pretty much riding all the same picks here so far, but uh, we talked about this a little bit earlier. Miami has not beat anyone of note uh, yet. Uh, and Chiefs are pretty good, and they're someone of note. Um, their defense is legit um, this year, uh, and I'm not sure that Miami – I mean, the Miami defense is good. I'm not sure it's great. Um, so, yeah, Kansas City minus one and a half. Love it. I will also do the same, and this is purely, purely, purely a don't see the Chiefs losing two games in a row type of pick in a different way than Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's more than capable of losing two games in a row. But Chiefs got embarrassed in Denver, um, just kind of seemed a bit off. Miami, a very explosive team. But as you said, Kansas City's defense, I think, is equipped to be able to handle them. The neutral side is kind of an interesting wrinkle in all of this. Certainly wouldn't surprise me if Miami ultimately won the game. Really hoping for a high-scoring shootout, if, if I'm being honest. Uh, but we'll just go with Chiefs minus one and a half. Uh, Sunday night football, we talked about it a little bit earlier in the podcast, Ben. The Buffalo Bills travel to Cincinnati. Cincinnati is favored by two points. How do you see that clash of Titans going? Yeah, for some reason, like, my brain is being like Cincinnati minus two is the easiest pick in the world. But for <laughs> some reason, my heart is telling me towards Buffalo plus two. I'm going to stick with Buffalo plus two. I know they've been on a little bit of a slide. Cincinnati's red hot. Um, but I think this is where maybe, you know, paths meet and change a tiny little bit. I mean, I think these are both really good teams and both will be playoff teams. Um, but I do think Buffalo can win this game. Um, it's going to be in Cincinnati on a Sunday night, so it's going to be tough. But Buffalo's been in games like this, and they've won games like this. So I think they're going to be fired up, ready to go after a couple losses. Uh, they want to prove some stuff. Cincinnati's a team they want to prove it against. Buffalo plus two in the win. money line. Yep, I respect it. I mean, you're really never going to get Buffalo as an underdog very often, so you might yeah. as well take advantage of it. I kind of agree. I mean, I am picking Cincinnati minus two. That's who I'm rooting for. I do ultimately think they win the game, but I agree it's an interesting clash of Buffalo, who is similar to Cincinnati, has been up and down, but in a very different way where, like, just expectations are so high for Buffalo, and they just haven't quite met those. Um, but at the same time, since he coming off their best win, everyone's talking so positively about them. Everyone's still a little bit down on Buffalo, even though they won that Thursday night game against Tampa. Um, so I think it could be an interesting, like, Buffalo, like, make a statement and be like, hey, we're actually still legit. Yep. All that being said, taking the Bengals minus two, simply that's what I'm rooting for. Love both these teams. Would love to see that as an AFC championship game. And then lastly, Ben, Monday Night Football, kind of gross after a lot of good games, but the Chargers at the Jets – Jets are currently getting three points, making the Chargers the three-point favorites. How do you see that one going? 
Yeah, I am going to lean. Actually, I'm not going to even lean. I'm heavily going to favor the Chargers minus three here. I'm not sure. Well, it may, I guess it makes sense. The Chargers are, I always think they're good, but they're not good. Um, Partially because Brand Staley is like maybe the worst coach in the NFL and should have been fired probably a year ago. Um, With that much talent in the roster, they should be so much better. Um, now this is in New York. This is in New York, aka New Jersey, on a Monday night, so it's going to be loud. New York Jets defense isn't bad, but I'm still going to lean the Chargers here minus three. I think they're just too talented for a Jets team that's not that good. So, yeah, give me the Chargers. I'm also on the Chargers. Hate betting on the Chargers, but also just I just don't see the Jets. I mean, I know they've won some games lately, and they're not really like even looking that great. Um, but yeah, just give me the Chargers. I think the Chargers ultimately win the game, and so if I think someone's going to win a game, taking the three points is not a problem for me. Um, we'll see. We will yeah. see, Ben. Ben, time for an interview portion of the show. You are my guest. The Savage Salmon Football Club is currently sitting Thanks at for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No worries. Um, let's get into the first question here. Coming off a two-season stretch in which you won six combined games, you do sit at four and four through eight weeks of the season. Roster certainly in the best place it's been since the rebuild a, a few years back. Your fourth place in, uh, in league in terms of points four, as well as tied for fourth in the overall standings. How do you feel about the Salmon? Uh, first of all, thank you for putting Savage Salmon FC up here and not yeah. you know, just Savage Salmon because uh, yeah. for all of you – people out there that listen to this podcast, there's also a Savage Salmon BC uh, baseball yep. club. Uh, and it, it, it currently finished in the semifinals last year. So no big deal. Powerhouse. Boys. Anyways. Uh, yeah, no, we're feeling, no, of course we feel really good about this roster. You know, we were working towards this and we built something and we feel good seeing results finally come out of it. Now it is a little disappointing to be at four and four, Unfortunately, yes, we are fourth in league, uh, fourth in the league with points four, which is awesome. But we are also, I think, second in points against. So it's been a little tough, uh, you know that, you know, in that sense. Um, but there's not much I can do with that. I can just, you know, put out the best roster, best lineup I can every week, and it's been working. You know, we, we're fourth in the league, um, but. We're running back heavy. Um, I know people are a little hesitant with running backs, but we just decided to stock up on those. We got a lot of value on those guys. Um, we also got some up-and-comers, and, and uh, we're just we're pretty happy where we're at right now. We're just hoping that we make the playoffs. If we don't make the playoffs this year, it would be pretty disappointing. I would say that. Yep. Nope, totally makes sense. Uh, your quarterback situation has been interesting to follow this year. Trevor Lawrence was the presumed every week starter heading into the season. Uh, but you've also recently traded for Jared Goff, traded away Russell Wilson. Obviously, we talked a little bit about what you'll have to do this week at quarterback. But how do you feel about the position overall heading into the stretch run? <laughs> yeah, so Trevor Lawrence definitely, you know, I drafted him number nine, what was that, three years ago now? Yeah. Um, he was a very high pick for me, my first-round pick for me. I had big aspirations for him. I still have big aspirations for him. I still think he can be a great fantasy quarterback. He is a very good real-life quarterback, but he's like an average fantasy quarterback at this point. 
Um, he just doesn't put up the big numbers. Um, he recently just started rushing for a little bit more yards, but it's spotty here and there. Uh, I still think that he's getting acclimated to uh, Calvin Ridley at times. Um, but I think, you know, things will go up from there. I did trade for Jared Goff because, yeah, Trevor Lawrence was not cutting it for me and I thought it might start losing me some games here and there. Um, unfortunately, Jared Goff has had a bye and played some very tough games. <laughs> Uh, but I still think <clears throat> I have two above average quarterbacks that can have big fantasy weeks. I just need to choose the right one. Uh, trading away Russell Wilson. I didn't need three quarterbacks on the roster, um, especially, you know, a, a third guy who was like 34 years old. Um, and any value that I could get from him at this point, I was fine with. Um, so we're, you know, we're, we're not like, super like extremely positive about this position heading down the stretch, but we feel better with golf there than we did at the beginning of the season. Absolutely. The quarterback position is fascinating. Just looking at the current rankings, the top five is about what you'd expect, even though again, these are the same guys we talked about with the MVP voting. I wouldn't say any of them are having like crazy good years, but it's Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, Mahomes, Tua, and Lamar. Okay, makes a lot of yeah. sense. Kirk Cousins, we talked about having a good year. He's in six, but now he's done. Herbert at seven, and then Goff at eight. Some people could have, could have seen that coming, so that's not that weird. Sam Howell at nine, Brock yeah. Purdy at 10, Russell Wilson at 10, Josh Jobs at 12, and then Trevor Lawrence kind of snuck in there at 13. So, again, like you said, that's, not terrible, but not great. So weird because, like, Russell Wilson is ranked that high, but, like, the last couple of weeks, he's been fucked terrible. Uh, yeah. And there's just nothing about me that says, like, oh, yeah, he's scoring a lot of fantasy points. That's like, the that thing. Yeah, he passed for more than 150 yards, like, half the time. Yeah, so, it's just been – it's been skewed. He had a couple big weeks at the beginning of the season. Now, hopefully by the end of the season, things kind of even out, and Trevor Lawrence is, like, a top 10 to 12 quarterback in the league, and Goff is, you know – eight to 12, somewhere around there. And I have two good guys that I can count on. I'm hoping that kind of evens out. So we'll see. Yep, absolutely. Uh, let's talk draft this past offseason draft, Ben. Despite your first draft pick being number 17 overall, your rookie class features Kendra Miller, Michael Mayer, Devon, Achan, and Puka Nakua. Obviously a couple of home runs to this point and also a couple of intriguing talents. Uh, were these guys always high on your board kind of throughout the process? Did the draft just kind of fall this way where you ended up with them? Talk to us a little bit about what into what went into those selections. Yeah, no, right before the draft, I was like, okay, I'm targeting Naku and A-Chan right away. No, I'm just kidding. Like, I, <laughs> no, like, no, to be honest, I'm going to be completely honest with you here. Uh, Kendra Miller and Michael Mayer, like, funny enough, were guys that I was targeting who were higher on my board. Um, of course, they're the ones that have not really – hanged out quite yet. Um, they've shown flashes here and there, and they're still rookies, so I'm not too worried. Uh, <clears throat> as for A-Chan and Puka in the third round, A-Chan was more of a guy that, like, I was not going to draft in the top 20, and it, uh, that was the case for, I guess, everyone in the league because um, he fell to 27. And at that point at 27, I was like, I, I don't think I can pass up on this guy. Like, there's been guys that I draft here or, you know, even earlier than this, I've just dropped. 
you know, like I'm just not even like worried about like, so I don't mind taking him here at 27 and seeing what happens. And, um, you know, the games that he's played, he's looked completely awesome. So no complaints for me whatsoever. As for Puka, um, so this sounds weird, but he went to UW actually his freshman year and his sophomore year, I think. And I just remember, like, I wasn't, I was just kind of keeping up with UW recruiting rankings back then because I feel like I, maybe I was doing a podcast with Brandon back in the day, or maybe I was just talking with Brandon, who's like a big Huskies fan. You know, I think you know Brandon. Yeah, these uh, two. Yeah, exactly. And so I remember him committing to UW and him being like a high-profile recruit. I think he was a four-star recruit, very high-profile recruit for UW. And, like, he played pretty well there, but UW was such a disaster there then that he ended up transferring to BYU. He played pretty well there, too. And then I started hearing camp reports about um, him really standing out in camp. Um, And I just, I don't know, at 35, I said, why not? Let's take a shot. And, uh, hey, it's worked out really well. So, yeah. Sure has. He's always on the radar, is what I'm saying. Yeah, there. I mean, there was a lot of buzz there in, in camp. There's no denying that. It's just th- those are always so interesting because sometimes it like absolutely becomes true, and other times it's just complete smoke. Um, yeah, and, just, and I think like I think just like knowing about him before at UW kind of gave me a little bit more like knowledge on him a little bit. Like I knew about him going into camp. I knew him. I knew about him getting drafted to the Rams. Like I, I, I like you know I kept up with him here and there, so I knew the name. Yeah, absolutely. Last question on the fantasy scene, Ben. We know you're always active in the trade market. Don't necessarily need to take this time to bash William, although I have a feeling that might come up. Uh, But do you anticipate a couple more moves for the Salmon before the playoffs start? No, the only thing I'll say about William, and listen, it's not completely his fault. I just wish that he hadn't wasted both of our times. I think he was trying to teach me a lesson or something like that. He was telling me that, and I don't. That's, That's what I don't. I don't need to be taught a lesson from you, especially William, because let's be honest with you. Look at your roster. You're a fucking joke. Um, <laughs> but listen, I, and also like, like I said, it's not, listen. it's not completely his fault because the wide receiver, and I, and I told you this and I told the group chat this, the wide receiver one market, I'm talking about like top end wide receiver ones. Yep. is so fucking, however you want to describe it, saturated, bloated, like, it is, like, the Justin Jefferson trade really, like, listen, I I didn't have, I don't, I still don't listen. have a problem with him. I don't know. I still don't have a problem with it, like, from the terms of being, like, I don't care who traded with what in this league. But, fuck, it really did. It did fuck some things up, <laughs> uh, such as value for wide receiver ones. I thought that I offered, and, like, it was an initial offer to Will. I just thought I'd offer him. Um, and he just laughed in my face over and over again. So tough, but whatever. As for a couple more moves before the playoffs start, before the trade deadline, I think it's just going to be tough. Um, you know, I don't have a ton of picks to deal. Uh, the roster's pretty set. I have a couple guys that I wouldn't mind moving for a big player, for a big player here and there. Um, but it would be tough to move, like, most of my players on this team right now, um, unless I felt like I was getting a, a better team, uh, yep. which I don't think I would be getting with like picks or future picks, which I would be looking forward to two years ago. But now I'm in a different trajectory where I'm looking 
for players that can help me right now. Yeah. Um, so it, it's going to be tough. I'm hoping to. I've been really trying to. I've discussed a lot of things with different people, um, especially for like a wide receiver one. <clears throat> um, but it just hasn't worked out. And I can't blame anyone except for Will. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Love it. Uh, ben, we're going to skip the Seahawks question. We already talked oh, yeah. about that. Let's get into a different realm but same sport college football has not been a lot of college football chat overall on this podcast the first iteration of the college football playoff rankings dropped last night ohio state georgia michigan florida state and washington rounded out the top five in that order as far as notable unbeatens go there are a couple others i believe james madison air force or a couple maybe that's the whole list Uh, and then oregon texas alabama and oklahoma were the next four in the rankings all those teams with one loss. There are plenty of others that also have one loss, but those kind of seem like the biggest names there. What are your overall thoughts about some of the top teams in the country? Who do you see being the four playoff teams when it all said and done? Kind of give you the yeah. open floor here. I got you. Uh, yeah, no, it's been a fun a college football season so far. I love myself some college football. Uh, I'm not that sold on Ohio State, to be honest with you. You know me, I love my guys. But I'm, I really not, I'm not. I'm really not that sold on them. I don't think that they're number one team. But it's been that type of year where I don't know if there is a clear number one team per se. Um, so we'll see. I think they're a good team, and I do think they're a playoff team. I just don't know if they're number one. Um, yeah. Georgia is a very interesting one because again, you don't like they're number two, but you could say that they could be number four or five the way that they've played in some games. They looked really good recently. They have seen a turn a corner here, um, but and they're and they're undefeated, of course. But you know they struggled in a couple of games here and there and looked, you know, I would say defeatable at times, which is not like George esque. Um, yeah. So again, an interesting team. I think they're just going to go up and up though. They're kind of on the rise. I feel more confident in them than Ohio State probably. I think they're more of a top three team um, defense. And I do think Arson Beck is probably a better quarterback than Kyle McCord. Uh, yep. and, yeah. Michigan, listen, there's a lot going on with Michigan right now. <laughs> uh, is there? Yeah, just a little bit here and there. Uh, not to get into too much, but, like, I, I, I don't know how far this investigation goes. I don't know if this investigation can affect their playoff odds or their playoff hopes at all. I highly doubt it will this year. I'm sure it could in the future if it really is this deep um, as it kind of is internet lore so far. Um, but talent wise, defensively, Michigan is a great team. Um, offensively, they have a great offensive line. Again, the running back is really good. McCarthy's played a lot of football. I don't know if he's a great quarterback. I think he is a good college quarterback. Um, but one big thing about Michigan, they haven't played anyone yet. Anyway, uh, um, now I assume that Michigan and Ohio State will both be undefeated by the time they get to the big game. And I assume that unless someone absolutely blows each other out in that game, they will both make the playoffs. Yeah. Um, something crazy happens. So that's here. two of your four. There you go. Uh, Georgia, I also think makes it. I don't think. Like down the stretch, they have any tough remaining games, and then they have to play someone in the SEC 
West, who I'm not too worried about. Um, SC West, SEC West is not top tier, so I'm not too. That's the normal that. good one, though. It's the crazy thing. I know, but it's it's been flipped a little bit. So yeah, uh, Florida State. Now I'm not looking at everyone's like bullshit. Running Forest football schedule here, just remaining schedule, and see who they have. They beat LSU that first game, which was big. Who's LSU's proved to be decent, not great, but yeah, they beat Clemson. They still beat rank Duke. pretty high. So they've got Pitt, who they should beat handily. They've got Miami um, in Tallahassee, so they probably should win that game. That's a you know, pretty high profile. Then they play an FCS team, North Alabama, and then they play Florida, who's not very good. And so that's undefeated there. Listen, whoever they play in the ACC title, they probably should win that. That's, I mean, the ACC is not very good. So, yeah, like Florida State is probably another playoff team right there. Now, this is when it gets tough because you also have Washington. Um, who, and I just think – I think it's those five that are competing for the top four right now, if you know what I'm saying. I don't think anyone else can get in. I think Washington goes undefeated. I think they beat USC this week. Now, conference championship, I'm not 100% sure about. But if they win that and they go undefeated – I think that their schedule probably puts them above Florida State. But if I had to take a guess and just bet someone going in as the fourth, I'd say Florida State and then put Michigan in there. So the top four right now is probably the four that goes You're in. You're wild. I don't, I, don't know, I don't know the exact order there that goes in like that, but I think it's those four. UW, unfortunately, I think they do lose like a conference game or something like a, like a conference title game or something like that, maybe against the Cats. Um, oh, 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 oh. Uh, but yeah, I just see those as like the top five teams right now, and I don't know if anyone else can really sneak in. Maybe right. Oregon, but I just I think Oregon losing to UW, and then I could see honestly, I could see Oregon losing to Oregon State in that rivalry game. It's it's the first game that Oregon State can beat them in God knows how many years it's been, and I could just see them doing it this year. So, yeah. Interesting takes, Ben. We'll move along to a different sports question. Let's talk a little puck. Let's the Seattle it. Kraken are in year three of their existence. Last year they made the playoffs for the first time in franchise history. Upset the defending Stanley Cup champion Colorado Avalanche in the first round before ultimately losing in Game 7 of the West Semis to Dallas. Has been a little bit of a rocky start this year, very early, 3-5-2 and two through 10 games. For those who don't follow hockey, that 2 is to shutout, or sorry, to overtime losses, meaning you get a point for those. You get two points for a win, one point for an overtime loss. Uh, but they have been playing better of late. Frankly, I've had a pretty brutal schedule to start as well, so that didn't help. Uh, do you get to watch the Kraken play much? Is it fun to have a hockey team to root for? Talk to us about the Kraken. Yeah, I watch them. I watch them every now and then. I'll probably watch them a lot more after football season, of course, and mm-hmm. a lot more when baseball is done. Um, but yeah, ESPN Plus is a huge, huge addition, and like they're always on there. Uh, they've started off a little rough, uh, Rob. Uh, did say that they're going to re-rest this year. Um, I know it's early in the year, but if Rob was right, I'd be very upset, especially just because Rob was right, mostly. Um, Wait, what was his take? 
that the the, the Kraken were going to regress this year. He, yeah, he he said that. He Rob said Blair. That. Rob Blair did, yeah. Because listen, I pissed him off a little bit last year when I talked a little shit about his uh, his abs. You know, we beat the abs last year in the first round. Um, and listen, Connor, whatever listen. his name, listen, Connor, whatever his name, didn't look that good on the abs. So I wasn't that impressed. We shut him down. Uh, but no, it is a lot of fun to have a hockey team to root for. I think before we got the Kraken, like I always liked hockey, but I never really could keep up with it because I didn't really have a team. Mm-hmm. But I love the physical aspect of the game, of course. But also, what's amazing to me is like the gracefulness of the sport as well. Um, these guys are so amazing on skates. They're so fast. They're so graceful. They're like figure skaters out there. But then all of a sudden, they're just like you know, just like tackling each other and like punching the shit out of each other. So hockey's an awesome sport. I wish I had grown up playing it, honestly. Um, but now I have a team to root for and it's really exciting to watch. So yeah, I've had a I've had a really good time. Oh yeah. Switching away from sports for the last handful of questions. How is your teaching career progressing and are you enjoying working under the guy <laughs> who got caught being drunk in class? Okay, so, yeah, to preface this a little bit, uh, a couple things. Uh, the drunken class thing, the guy. So I got assigned, you know, a host teacher. Uh, and this is my last student teaching, like, portal. Uh, it's my last. I spent two months with this class, and I I kind of observe for a week, and then I just start teaching uh, this class for, like, a month and a half. Uh, but this guy whose class I'm going into, the teacher, uh when they sent me his like name, his contact info, you know, of course I did a quick Google search just to see what was up. And uh, the first thing that popped up was about a teacher that was arrested in Kentucky for teach or for uh, being drunk while teaching. Uh, Which now, is legal there. Yeah, sure. Yeah. It's legal in the South everywhere. Uh, Mikey's Mikey's wife does it all the time in Atlanta. <laughs> yeah, yeah, with, exactly. With, with the young kids. Um, so you know, I wasn't listen. I like I was pretty listen. doubtful. I was pretty. <laughs> I was pretty doubtful that it was him. I was like, "There's no way." I don't think it'd be him. Like, it just it just doesn't feel right. Like he he, he couldn't get another teaching job somewhere. Yeah. So anyways, I drive up to this place called Apache Junction where this high school is. It's called Apache Junction High School. This is where he teaches. Sick name. Um, even sicker mascot. Uh, they are the Prospecteers. Sick. Yeah. So oh, pretty yeah. sick and their logo is sick. Does the guy have like an axe? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yes. It's a sick logo. Um, but anyways, I go to meet this guy. And when you search his name, a picture, a mugshot comes up of him. He's got longish hair and kind of like a goatee with like a little bit of a longer beard. Not too much longer, though. And the guy that I meet at the school has glasses. He's pretty much bald and has very has no facial hair, just other than a little whiskers here and there, you know. But, you know, I, you know, I, you know, it was the same name. He started talking to me about how he was from Tennessee, which is like, you know, right there, um, right next to Kentucky. Um, he had been a teacher. He just started teaching like 15 years ago. So the timeline's like right there. And then this sounds kind of creepy, but this dude has some super blue eyes and the mugshot has the super blue eyes too. And the face is kind of there. And so like, now I'm kind of like, 
I'm like 80% sure it is him. Um, and I technically don't start with him until Monday, next Monday. Um, I'm actually working another job right now. I'm working at Tractor Supply Co. Uh, yeah, just working part-time there. Uh, but I start with this guy on Monday, and I go two months with him pretty much, and then I do some final assignments, and I graduate, you know, hopefully – I'm thinking like, you know, February, March, maybe. So, yeah, we'll see what happens after then. But, uh, yeah, maybe sub and then find a job somewhere. And will you be looking out of state or in state? Probably most likely out of state. Um, Arizona, I think, is like bottom five paying state. Um, I could stay here and keep staying with my folks and save some money and maybe get a full-time job for a year, but I don't really want to do that anymore. Um, and I've been looking at places in like Oregon on the coast um, where it's a little bit more affordable to live and they pay relatively well and living near the coast on in Oregon might be kind of fun. So, and uh, being in the back in the Pacific Northwest is kind of where I want to be. So, yeah. And I know I've asked this before, but any specific towns on the Oregon coast? Uh, what was there? There was, uh, oh my gosh, it'll probably come back to me, but ask the next question. I'm going to do yeah, Google search here, but I'll come up with it. No, you're good. What's the, uh, the latest on your Blackstone griddle? Any new recipes you've been trying out? What's the cooking game looking like? Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I get on there, I'd say, every once in a while. And I like to throw some veggies on there nowadays. I'm trying a little healthier. Veggies are great on there with a little olive oil, a little seasoning, stuff like that. Um, I do quesadillas on there a lot. Um, what's really nice about that, too, is, like, when my dad does, like, when he barbecues or smokes, like, big hunks of meat, um, I can sear the piece of meat on the griddle like really well give it a nice crisp on the outside and then just do it for like a couple minutes and then he'll throw in the grill or the smoker and it'll come out so good um, okay. other than that though you know we've been doing some breakfast on it like just normal breakfast which is awesome um nothing crazy as the late though um those now let me tell you those meatball sliders i made last night i made those mm. stovetop um, had some Hawaiian, you know, Hawaiian rolls. And let me tell you, I don't know. You probably don't have a Costco membership. I know it's kind of an old person thing. My parents do. <laughs> they have these meatballs that they buy from Costco. Mm-hmm. My God, dude, they're they like frozen meatballs. So fucking good, dude. And you just put them in like the microwave for three minutes. Oh, they're so good. And last night I just melted some mozzarella over them in a little pan for like a minute or two and then just stuff them on a toasted uh, Hawaiian roll. King's Hawaiian. Yep. Put some tomato sauce on that bitch. And it was, let me tell you, dude, I texted that to you at 5.55 last night. And then I, I made sure to check the time, like look back at that text because I ate them at by 5.58, all of them. <laughs> they were gone. So yeah, they were delicious. Really good. Love, love that. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, Lincoln City is kind of where I was looking. I think that's where uh, – and it's – it's it's there's a couple of little towns and cities near there. Um, but Lincoln City is kind of like the bigger town that I was looking at. 
So we'll see. Yeah. All right. Thank you for that. Yeah. Uh, ben, final question. Speaking of food, last week we did talk fast food joints. This time let's rank some chain restaurants. Then you've at least been to all of the five following a couple times. But if not, yeah. we could always make a couple of substitutions. Okay. So we've got, and these are kind of a random mix. Some are nicer than others. Yeah. Cheesecake Factory, Applebee's, Chili's, California Pizza Kitchen, and Buffalo Wild Wings, Ben. Okay, I'll start with number five. And I know I might offend some of the Cali, Cali guys here, but I am going to go to CPK and California Pizza Kitchen. I don't think their pizza is, like, terrible, but I'm just not the biggest fan, per se. And I don't know. The one that I grew up going to a couple times, just the vibe was not great there. Yeah, so I'm just not a big CPK fan. Maybe I can be swayed by a good location somewhere. But for now, I'm going to put them as number five. Okay, so these next two, number three or number four and three, I don't go to a lot and haven't been to in a while, but that would be Applebee's and Chili's. And I'll put number four as – Wait, who's – okay, yeah. I'll put four as Applebee's and number three as Chili's. Okay. I don't go a ton. I haven't been in probably two or three years – probably a year, maybe a year uh, to either. Um, but listen, they're always good. Listen. And they're cheap. And they always have good deals. And the vibes are usually pretty good. So you yeah. can't really go wrong. Like, if you're in, like, listen, in your, if you're in the bumfuck middle of nowhere and you don't have anywhere to eat and there's, like, an Applebee's or Chili's, like, you're going to have a good time. You're going to be fine. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, my second is going to be Cheesecake Factory. Uh, their menu blows my mind every time I go. I like it's just amazing to me. <laughs> Did you see Stephen A. Smith's yeah. clip on the Cheesecake Factory? Yeah. Yeah. I don't like him, but that was so good because it's like, come on now, like, there's just like a lot of options. Like, I will say, like, I don't know why, but him and Mad Dog, I never liked by themselves, but for some reason, they bring out the best in each other. <laughs> I haven't watched a lot of that, but that is, I funny. just see the highlights. I don't, I don't watch the show, but I just see the highlights yeah. and like the highlights back in like. You know, before Mad Dog joined, was just like yelling and screaming and like a bunch of nonsense. But now it's like some funny fucking highlights are coming out of every once in a while. So, uh, but yeah, number two, Cheesecake Factory menu blows my mind. Like I like, there's just do so you have a go to? I don't. I don't. I, I like to order different things there when I go there because I don't go there a ton. I've probably been there a total of maybe like ten to fifteen times throughout my life. Um, but I feel like every time I've gone, I've probably ordered something different. Their pastas are always good, in my opinion. I feel like you know what I'm saying. Like they always have really good pastas. Um, but also their bread, their bread is amazing, and then the vibes there are really high. I love the decorations, the decor. Mm-hmm. Like it's just it's. I feel yeah, like you could like go in dressing nice there. Totally, and also you go in there like on LSD and be like, "What the fuck is going on?" Yeah, exactly. Stuff. It's a crazy decor, and I love it. Uh, so number one, I'm going to go with Buffalo Wild Wings. I'm a big wings guy, but they also have really, they have really good food in general, actually, in my opinion. Um, and also, I mean, the TV setup is always great. The vibes are always pretty good there, but also like personally, uh, during COVID when I was working from home and I was living on a boat, do you remember that? Yeah. 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 Yeah, I didn't have any internet. You know, that just kind of happens when you live on a boat, especially when you live on a boat with, like, cheap people, with nobody rich. Um, And so every once in a while, I need some internet. 
And I would just drive up to Buffalo Wild Wings, which was like 10 minutes away. And I would just spend like the day there and just order some food and maybe like a beer. And they would be chill about it. They'd just be like hanging out with me half the time and just good vibes there. Um, and good, good food, to be honest with you. So Buffalo Wild Wings, number one. Fuck yeah. Um, I'll provide my quick rankings. One, California Pizza Kitchen. Obviously very biased. I love their pizza. That's where I want my birthday to be every year. Uh, number two, I'll also go Cheesecake Factory. Very solid. A lot of options. Great Mai Tais. Shout out, Anthony. Um, I don't know if I have a go-to there. It's been a minute. I have to look at the menu again. Yeah. Uh, number three... I will go with Applebee's, just a lifelong favorite of mine. Admittedly, it gets worse and worse as, as you get older, but you are correct in the fact that, like, if you find yourself in, like, a small town Applebee's or something, like, it's a great old time. Plenty yeah. of beers, plenty of good options, good deals on appetizers, all that good stuff. Number four, I'll go Buffalo Wild Wings. Admittedly, not a big sample size for me. I actually remember going to a Buffalo Wild Wings in Seattle. I forget who I was with, but it was at least, at least with CY and maybe a couple other people. And I got like medium or mild wings and I was dripping wet. <laughs> like, and I have a low tolerance, don't get me wrong, but like, it's usually not like terrible. Yeah. But like, I will, yeah. I'll enjoy something, but sweat a lot. And that was like, it's insane. probably a good spot in Seattle, window, not fucking. Yeah. Wow. I know, but we were feeling it. Anyway, I've been there a handful of times. I love the vibes, love the TVs. Yeah. I, I agree that the, at least on TV, the commercials make it look like the rest of their food's pretty decent. It, is um, so all, it all seems good. Good appetizers. Yeah. yeah. So I'm into that. I'm not the biggest wings guy in the world. I'm always on board with getting wings. Gotcha. But I actually like boneless just for the ease of dipping and like the little nuggets, right? It's just a lot easier there. Definitely like flats over drumsticks as far as bone-in wings. But in general, there's just a lot going on. It makes me gotcha. sweat. I wish it was easier to dip in ranch. Anyway, would never turn down wings, though. And then lastly, I'll go chilies. A little bit harsh because I actually do like all these restaurants, but Chili's is just fifth for me. I feel like it's the one that I've I always would choose Applebee's over Chili's if you happen mm -hmm. to like be choosing between the two of them. Um, Chili's has done nothing wrong to me though, and I agree that it's effectively the same thing as Applebee's. Yeah. Uh, now there is one chain restaurant I would put over all of these. Let's hear it. Olive Garden. Oh, Olive Garden! I can't believe I forgot that. That's a good one. Yeah, it's just it's just it's un it's. I know it's so unhealthy for you, and it's not, like, good quality. It's so good, though. My God, the breadsticks, unbelievable. The unlimited unlimited soup and fucking salad, like, what are you – like, you're below, what is happening right now? What's going on? Yeah. And then all of a sudden – And then, like, the pastas are pretty fucking good. Like, they're not bad. I mean, like – It's hard to screw yeah. up Italian. That's what I'm saying. You can get good drinks there. You can get fucked up there and have good food. Like, it's just – and it's pretty cheap. So, yeah, yeah Olive Garden is – just tier one, tier A, whatever you want to call it for me. Love that. Great mention there. All right, Ben. That's all I got for you. Appreciate you joining the pod, being the guest. Perfect Gigi timing. can get fed now. Gigi can get fed. Life is good. Let's have a great Wednesday night, Ben. Last question. Prediction for tonight's World Series game. <sighs> I think the Rangers. Yeah, just take it tonight. I, I, unfortunately, I think the Rangers – or the buzzsaw that the Diamondbacks have met that just, you know, they just couldn't get through. They've gotten through so much, the Diamondbacks, the, you know, yeah. the Brewers, the, the uh, Dodgers. Dodgers, and, uh, you least. know, 
So I just – the Phillies. So I just, like, they've played so well, but I think, you know, sometimes it gets to a certain point with an underdog like that uh, where they do meet a much better team, um, especially playing at this time, and that would be the Rangers who – and I know they're missing a couple pieces right now, but, man, offensively those Rangers are unbelievable at almost every point of that line. Um, so, yeah, I'm, unfortunately, I think they wrap it up tonight. Okay. I'm going to go, this is rooting interest, but I'm going Diamondbacks tonight. I do actually think they extend it for a lot of reasons. They got to win one at home. Can't lose all three at home. That would suck. Um, And it's it's Evaldi versus Gallon. So, like, the fact that you have elite pitching out there makes it interesting where it's not, you know. You know me. I love Gallon. My God, he has had a rough postseason. So, hopefully hopefully the ace mentality comes out tonight and he shoves it. But, yeah, we'll see. We will see. I just like the idea. Again, this is me rooting as a fan, but I agree, obviously, that the Rangers are going to win the series. But give me a Diamondbacks win tonight. Let's push it to game six. Let's get a little day off to think about the series a little bit longer. And then the beautiful thing is you get to game six. It's in Texas. You're either getting a team clinching the World Series at home, which is always awesome, or you're getting a game seven the following night, which is even better. Um, So just get it to game six for entertainment purposes, and then whatever happens from there is great. But let's have a beautiful Wednesday night, Ben. Thanks for joining. God bless. Let's go. Adios.